And tonight, barely 24 hours after ECOWAS activated its standby force in a bid to restore democracy in Niger, the minority in parliament is mounting renewed resistance to the use of force, citing humanitarian and economic implications. Before you deploy a force, be able to understand that it comes with financial strain. It comes with humanitarian pressure. Are we prepared with the financial strain, considering our economies in West Africa? I said, for the humanitarian catastrophe that will befall us if we should go ahead. Well, there's more unfolding tonight as the SAP regional body ECOWAS is warning Ghanaian MPs opposing the military action in Niger that the SAP region risk more coup d'etats if they inhibit President Akufado from going ahead with his plans to contribute troops. You know, to say that uh, they are not going to allow it, that is a, a matter for them. But that, uh, they, everybody has to add themselves. Okay. If we are not able to reverse Niger, which is going to be the next domino to fall. And top story, as always, is brought to you by Vodafone. Further together, my name is Blessed Sugai. And tonight, the minority in parliament is mounting renewed resistance to the use of force in restoring constitutional order in the Republic of Niger, citing humanitarian and economic implications on the country. Now, the Sub Regional Body ECOWAS yesterday ordered the activation of its standby force after its ultimatum to Niger's military junta elapsed last Sunday. They have been raising concerns together with other experts about the use of force to re restore democracy in the West African nation after its president, Mohamed Basum, was ousted last month. Well, earlier, ranking member on the Foreign Affairs Committee, Samuel Okujetua Blakwa, indicated that President Akufado's engagement on the matter must be subjected to parliamentary scrutiny. Listen. The talk of violence and all of that. And you see, people are even beginning to raise questions about fairness and discrimination and all of that. Uh, why was that not done in Guinea? Why was that not done in, in Mali? Why was that not done in Burkina Faso? You know, so let's, 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 let's have cool heads take control and let us opt for a democratic path moving forward. And I must insist that these matters should be brought to the Ghanaian parliament. Look, even though we are recent, we can have, this is such an important matter that the speaker will, will hurriedly convene an emergency session. Every country, look, even what in other countries, you hear House of Commons meeting on the kind of support they should send, the British should send to Ukraine. The, the US Congress has met time without number to pass resolution on the kind of support to send to Ukraine. Even though it is really not their war, and they are only supporting as allies. So how is it that in Ghana, our president, without any parliamentary resolution, can be talking about uh, deploying troops, uh, military intervention, and our parliament is not playing any role at all? No committee has been engaged. The plenary has not, has not uh, debated these matters. Please. We can't go out there lecturing others on democracy when 
We are not following democratic tenets back home. I hope that the heads of state will rather opt for further diplomatic exchanges. There has to be negotiation. So, so that's uh, Samuel Okuzito Ablako speaking to me and explaining what the minority position is, which we'll explore shortly. Uh, but tonight, there's more unfolding and we're getting to learn more about President Akufado's direct involvement uh, and his position on the matter of contributing Ghanaian troops and also deploying a force by the sub-regional body ECOWAS. While the Commissioner of Political Affairs, Peace and Security uh, of the ECOWAS Commission, Ambassador Abdel Fattah Musa, is warning Ghanaian MPs opposing the military action in Niger. His argument is that the South region risk more coup d'etats if they inhibit President Ekufado from going ahead with his plans to contribute troops. When uh, West Africa, when ECOWAS was deploying to Liberia, deploying to Sierra Leone, it wasn't unanimous in the region. There were even member states who acted against the interest. It was a coalition of the willing. There are countries that are already pledging troops right now for it, it. including and, including Ghana. Uh, there is uh, there is going to be a planning meeting very soon. So Ghana, Ghana, so Ghana has not committed, right? Because obviously well, the president does not support uh, it. Ghana, Ghana was one of the strongest advocates of uh, military action in Niger, just because of uh, the, the the attitude of the authorities there. And as you know, uh, President Anado Dankwa Kufuado is one of uh, uh, the leaders in West Africa who spent a lot of their time fighting uh, dictatorships, military and others. Whether you are talking about the Komipreko demonstrations and whatnot, President uh, Akufuado was very much central to them. So for him, coups uh, are anathema. And he, he demonstrated, you know, his resolve to make sure that uh, there are no coups. Okay, finally. So if, the parliament, if the parliament is going to handicap him, you know, to say that uh, they are not going to allow it, that is a, a matter for them. But that, uh, they, everybody has to ask themselves. Okay. If uh, we are not able to reverse Niger, which is going to be the next domino to fall, there are already... Fishes in many countries in the region is military intervention. Uh, you know what the military uh, uh, replacing civilian rulers is it the solution we are seeking? You know that uh, we are falling one after the other. Some at some point we need to put an end to it. Mm. Democracy may not be perfect. There are government deficits in the region. I see. But listen. The region has made progress.
and and my interaction there with uh, the ECOWAS commissioner in charge of uh, political affairs, peace and security, just hours upon uh, coming on air. And there's more in that interaction, also revealing uh, how ECOWAS is simply dealing with its protocol and not being a pawn for any other external force. I will explore that shortly, but I want to tell you about individuals helping us during the discussion. Um, a member of parliament uh, also serving on the Defence and Interior Committee, uh, Peter Tobu, uh, also former support of the Ghana Police Service, is joining us on the telephone lines. Then we have a security analyst uh, working as a consultant to the African Union, Colonel Festus Abwadi, retired, who's also joining us on the telephone lines now. Uh, let me start off with you, Colonel, um, since you have some engagements coming up shortly. The revelation, at least we know now, is that President Akufado is one of the strong advocates for the deployment of troops and we know what the implication will be first of all for the ghana armed forces and the entire region looking at at the fallouts from yesterday's meeting do, do you have a second thought about being cautious on the deployment of this military force well i've always been cautious about the use of force uh, under international law and we make reference to ECOMOC. Because in that era, we're all were largely under military rule. We didn't have democratic legislatures. So Abacha and uh, Rawlings could just decide that we were going. So we went. That is a different era. And in this era, we should be dealing or be seen to be dealing with the root causes of coups. Because I'm telling you that it doesn't matter whether we just walk into Niger and are successful. If we don't address the root causes, we will have more occasions to launch military invasions. But there are risks. And I think we may not be fully applying our minds to the risk. A statement that was issued yesterday, for me, is too terse. It's short on the facts and the realities of the security situation in West Africa. If you have a country that is already under threat of insurgency and terrorism, you don't add to that mix or equation by destabilizing the center of power with an external uh, invasion. You see, and if care is not taken, and the CNSP is unhinged in Niger, without a substantive, credible government in Niger, the force that goes in will end up having to run up north to the tri-border area to fight the insurgency. And that's not going to be possible. Look, our countries are hemorrhaging economically. So I've been wondering among us, if Ghana decides that we are going to send troops, let's say a battalion, like Cote is saying 1,100, where are the vehicles? And where is the maintenance support? Where is the fuel support? Where is the food? Where is the uh, medical support? Uh, Colonel, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for cutting through, but, but where does that coming now, knowing that the, the West Africa subregion is facing what some experts <laughs> are, are describing as a crisis? We are in a crisis, you agree? We are not in a crisis. I heard... Um, the speaker before me, not uh, Ambassador Musa Fatal, but I think it was Honorable Ablako. You see, when, when, when next door, Cote d'Ivoire, 
was messing up with this constitution in order to create a basis for Ouattara to extend his stay. What did ECOWAS do? We didn't do anything. Fast forward, come to 2015, Togo. When again, Nyasimbe, foreign Nyasimbe, you know, engineered the constitution in order to wash away the terms of his father that he had served and then to continue, ECOWAS arrived at a compromise with him. When Alpha Conde in Guinea was also misbehaving, ECOWAS didn't do anything. So if you don't address the root causes around constitutional re-engineering and elections, among others, before we come to security, you cannot think that each time there is a military coup in any member state, you're going to use force. And let me ask our audiences. Yes, we're going to Niger. We couldn't go to Cote d'Ivoire. Why? And we should ask ourselves, why didn't we even raise a finger when uh, in Senegal, Sall was also attempting to re-engineer the constitution? And if it happens in Nigeria, are we going to go there? These are fundamental questions that we need to ask. And there are other dynamics. See, this ECOWAS communicate yesterday is already short on the details of a mandate. But ECOWAS under international law cannot invade any country. Because technically speaking, Niger has not aggressed any member state of ECOWAS. So we need to go to the Security Council. There might be attempts for some people to avoid going to New York. But we need to go because under international law, it's only the Security Council that can sanction this kind of military intervention. And when we get there, in all likelihood, Russia might be it because the proviso is that this kind of intervention requires nine out of the 15 members to support the resolution. And five of five permanent members of the Security Council must be part of the nine. So if Russia vetoes, that is the end of the ECOWAS campaign. Before we even talk about China, which is likely to abstain, you see, all of this will put additional pressure on ECOWAS to find a mediated outcome in Niger. So when you calculate all of these, you put more emphasis on diplomacy rather than the saber rattling that you are going to go to the Egypt. Okay, uh, so you, you are opting for diplomacy, but, but then uh, ECOWAS is explaining in their uh, communique, uh, which um, forms part of the fallouts from yesterday's engagements, uh, that and the word they use there is, quote, repel. Uh, they claim that General Abdul Salami, um, together with the Sultan of Sokoto, who were all deployed, were repelled by the military regime in Niger. That, that's been the concern. But let's also hear from uh, uh, Peter Tobo, who's uh, ranking on the Defense and Interior Committee, because uh, you have been asked as members of the minority side of the House not to impede President Akufuado's decision. Now we know what his decision is. He says he's going in, supporting uh, that decision to contribute troops and to restore constitutional order in the Republic of Niger. Blessed, thank you very much for the opportunity to contribute to this very important debate. Let me say good evening to Colonel uh, Retard Festus Abwaji, my senior brother, of whom I'm well pleased all the time when we talk about security. Um, what happened yesterday, in my own understanding, activating the ECOWAS standby force 
does not necessarily mean the standby force will be deployed. Activating the equal standby force is a sign of deterrence to the junta in Niger that there's a possibility of the use of force. And as Colonel Pesto has outlined, the power to use force internationally comes under Chapter 7 of the UN Charter. And the Chapter 7 of UN Charter can only be activated if the UN Security Council endorses that. And of course, if you go to the UN Security Council today, the fact that they are trying to take themselves out of their colonial master plan and they are looking for a new marriage with Russia, that will tell you Russia is very likely to veto that, 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 that mandate. And if Russia vetoes that mandate, that is the end of the story. The second issue is, if you are talking about deploying in such volatile environment, where, where Mali and Burkina Faso are willing to support their brother Niger, and they are prepared for open war, ask yourself, do you know the budget? Do you have the funding to go into that kind of war? Is this sustainable? Can you fight so, that war so for a year? So is that where you to intend to hold it? the balls of the president and, and to say, uh, well, you, you can't go in there? Hello? Asking, and I'm asking based on the aspect that you're raising about the financial arrangements, which will definitely yeah. come before your committee uh, in Parliament. Is that where you're seeking to hold the balls of the president on this to say that he cannot go to Niger? No, we are actually looking at different points. One, financial, of course, but the second issue is the possibility of a humanitarian catastrophe. We have not gone to Niger. But if you get to know the number of Zabarama people in Ghana already illegally, it will shock you. So if you strike in Niger and Niger is no longer a place habitable enough for human beings, the traffic, the human traffic will be directed downwards. But what is more dangerous, my brother, what is more dangerous is the fact that this can actually be a decoy by a terrorist. As our attention goes to Niger and, the, and uphill Sahel, our back will be opened. And many of these terrorists are just striving very hard to get access to the sea. So if we concentrate on fighting Niger, we should be very careful, just like football. As you attack, be careful with your back, or else your defense will be hollow. And okay, all of a sudden, but, but, but if you look at north, uh, it's not helping the matters. You have Burkina Faso right on top of us, and Burkina Faso has made its intention clear as to how it would deal with this uh, military team in Niger. They are absolutely going to support what's happening in Niger right now, given the fact that they are, in fact, threatening to respond with equal measure in terms of force. So if you have our president supporting this, as we are learning uh, from the meetings uh, that, that happened in Abuja last night or yesterday, how do you intend that we can avoid this? Because the president is resolute on using the military. You in parliament say we need to find a way out. How do we resolve this? We are speaking diplomatic language. Of course, the president at the ECOWAS heads of state meetings, ECOWAS authority meetings, I am quite sure they will be thinking alike, thinking as an authority to deal with a brother who is in trouble. And of course, the president openly will support that. But come to the details. When he comes back home, we will need to have the fine details. What is the implication of Ghana sending our army to support this kind of thing? What is the economic implication? What is the political implication? What is the humanitarian implication? If you're able to justify all that and you tell us that, oh, yes, there is funding enough from the ECOWAS level to fund this. And the military themselves come to say, you see, we understand military business more than you civilians. We are ready to go, and that is the only way we can sustain security in West Africa. And they are so convincing. Why not? But until then, I think that 
all of us watching uh, it. And, and, and Nobody Sopo, is giving uh, apologies, any but you're, you're not an ex. You're not a stranger in this field. Um, you yourself, um, you have some considerable background in, in in matters of security. Would it be safe if, if the financial box is checked for ECOWAS to go into Niger as we speak? I would want to listen to the chief of defense staff. What are the technical reasons he thinks that we can support that? If it's convincing, and in fact, it is very positive for Ghana's development and Ghana's peace and security, we will look at it. But until then, let's not jump the gun. Let's no, be careful. So, 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 so the point is, your personal opinion and, and assessment on, on what's happening so far? My personal opinion is the fact that it is too early in the morning to be thinking about a peace enforcement. Too early. I see. Um, the, the president now uh, has given his post chance, we understand, through uh, ECOWAS, uh, which then uh, comes back to you as MPs in, in the House. If uh, anything regarding finances comes before you, uh, and this is going to be funded by an external party, would you support that? Because the fear is, by some experts, that the Serb region is becoming a theater or a playground for the external forces or you know the, the superpowers are you equally concerned about this and if, if the financing is going to come from outside of the region will you support it anytime we are waging a war and finances are easily found to support it, be careful with who is funding these are all complicated geopolitics that we need to understand if the armed forces of ghana decides that they will listen to the president and engage in this war they will need to sound very convincing about the military strategy the implication for our own security because their major purpose their original purpose is to maintain the sovereignty of this country to defend the sovereignty of this country if they want to go international and we ask ourselves of what benefit is it going to niger that will bring to ghana so if they're able to analyze all these things for us we'll look at it but i have an open mind but as i speak today the facts available do not support any military intervention activating the equal standby force it is a military duty it is just normal to posture to, to put yourself in a post of deterrence. The day that they will decide that they want to deploy the Ghana Armed Forces to join their colleagues to go to Niger, I'm, I'm sure that we will have to look at it again and see whether it is important to approve of that. For now, I have no clear idea as to whether that is possible. Okay, I uh, will see about that. Grateful for your time. Uh, he's a member of the Defense and Interior Committee, Peter Lonchini, uh, Tobo. Uh, so what's the mandate of President Kufando giving uh, the constitution that we have? Uh, joining us now is Associate Professor of Law at the University of Ghana and Human Rights Advocate, uh, a PhD, uh, who's uh, joining us to share his uh, thoughts on, on this. And, and you've just uh, heard from one of the members of the minority there indicating that, well, there's no need for committing our troops, but if... The minority insists and it becomes necessary to commit our troops to the standby force. W will it require any form of parliamentary approval or scrutiny? Thank you for having me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I've listened to the discussion and, and the debate going on. Uh, I would not want to restrict myself to the constitution per se, but we have to look at the international law dynamics at play here. First of all, the decision taken by the military leaders to organize the coup in itself is a violation of international law. And the military um, regime did that, which therefore violated the self-determination of the people of Niger. As we speak now, we are not sure which government is really in, in power. We have the Yuri government as a government that, by law, is the is government of Niger, which is led by Bazoum, 
and then the de facto government, which is led by the military. In, in international law, there is what we call um, recognition of government. At this moment, ECOWAS has given collective recognition to the Bazoom government. And so in the eyes of ECOWAS, Bazoom is still in power. And so it can listen to what Bazoom says and act on that. Now, ECOWAS also has a protocol on um, good governance, um, democracy and good governance. And it expresses zero tolerance for coup d'etat. So in that respect, backed by the AU, which also has recognizes or adopts a non-indifference approach, in other words, the right to intervene in case of any um, disturbances, which, which includes such a situation as a coup d'etat. The AU, with the backing of ECOWAS, could go into um, uh, Niger. But the question then is, are we adopting, and there are no situations where the Security Council, even though there's a call that it should go to the Security Council for authorization, there have been situations where such interventions have taken place before later on the Security Council would give it ex post facto rationalization and therefore react to retroactively recognize such an intervention. Having said all that, the situation in the in the, uh, the humanitarian situation in the country has already started deteriorating. And looking at the dynamics in general, the, the solution is not a military solution. The solution is a political solution. And so coming down to the constitution of Ghana, um, directly, if it is just about going to restore a democratic order in the country. It doesn't call for parliamentary approval. But in the name of ensuring that we have, we go with one voice to resolve the issue, it has to go to uh, parliament for a discussion. At least a committee on on defense uh, should have a say in this because it involves a whole lot of dynamics. Um, Where you talk about logistics, you talk about and the number of troops that can be stationed there, um, the already volatile situation in the country, in, in the West, uh, West Africa sub-region, it calls for some form of consensus building on this issue. But strictly speaking, the president can say that we are committing troops in the name of ECOWAS because we are a member of ECOWAS, and ECOWAS decisions bind us. We are a member of AU, AU decisions bind us. And according to Article 40, of our constitution, our international relations should recognize the values and principles embodied in the um, instruments of these uh, regional organizations and sub-regional organizations. And so we could do that, but on the um, looking at the dynamics on the ground, we should dictate how we act. It is not; it will not be a very um, prudent decision to go to the ground now and try to remove. Uh, um, the, the military from, from power. That is what I will say. Uh, I see. And in fact, uh, there are other human rights uh, concerns, uh, including displacement of people. In fact, as we speak, there are so many Ghanaians in Niger, and some who have told us that they've been threatened um, 
of reprisals, possible ones, if indeed uh, countries such as Ghana and other West African countries um, wage war as they are terming it uh, on Niger. We'll be keeping our eyes on that. Thank you for joining uh, the conversation. Associate Professor of Law uh, at the University of Ghana, a uh, human rights advocate, a PhD, uh, sharing his thoughts with us. They're wrapping up top story with me, bless us. We have more stories for you uh, at myjoyonline.com. But in just the next minute, Ghana Connect is starting and we're focusing much more uh, on the humanitarian crisis that may come with the deployment of this troop in Tunisia. Mm. And Kweku Asante will be on Ghana Connect. Uh, Kweku, what are we to expect? Exactly. We want to ask the ordinary Ghanaian what they think about a possible military intervention in Guinea. Do they support the deployment of Ghanaian troops? And also ask the question about whether or not they believe there's a democratic mm. recession in Africa. That's uh, some it, good it's actually a very dire situation looking at the complications um, of deploying uh, a military into a country that, that now has some sort of backing from uh, paramilitary groups such as the mm. Wagner, Wagner forces. Yeah. Uh, concerns are emerging over how this may become, you know, some sort of... Uh, already, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know the authenticity, but within, 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 within our region. story about Wagner already deploying... Th- that's, that, to, that's the concern Niger. emerging. And, and we, we are all, especially as journalists, expecting uh, some statement from the Foreign Affairs Ministry uh, detailing what will be the next step for our citizens or our nationals uh, living in Niger because um, some of them are concerns about reprisals. Mm-hmm. Now ECOWAS says it is activating that military force. Uh, what's the position of the ministry? What do they intend to do? Because we're paying people uh, who are serving in the mission there in Niger. Uh, we need to hear on what the next steps are, yeah. knowing that we're going with the military action. So that's the concern right now, Kweku. And I'm sure that, that more of your uh, guests will be sharing their thoughts on that Definitely. in the next minute. Definitely.